Hello and welcome to the Brutal Iron Gym Podcast, where our goal is to cut through the BS and deliver the brutal truth about topics related to health and happiness. Today's podcast number 1921. The topic is training and the title is Methods to Prepare Your Nervous System Before a Max Effort Lift. Uh, the title is pretty explanatory, but if you don't know what this means, it's going to be confusing <laughs> in the sense that if, if you've never experienced this. But for those who have, they'll have an idea. Let me tell you kind of the background. One of my clients, she's a trainer as well, and she was saying that she feels as though she needs a lot of volume before she gets into her heavy lifts. So she needs to do a lot of stuff in her workouts before she feels ready for the heavy lifts. But she's struggling with strength progression. What's happening <laughs> is that it's taking her a while to get her endorphins and adrenaline kind of optimized before a big lift. Endorphins are natural painkillers. Adrenaline is aggression and focus. Those are two awesome, awesome uh, chemicals and compounds that we have in our body that when we harness them correctly, man, it lets us do some crazy fun stuff. So she hadn't been optimizing how those are produced. And what was happening was she was end up doing so much stuff before her heavy lift that she was running out of nutritional energy. So there was a lot of compounding factors. She overtrains in all of her other workouts. <laughs> so we need to start pulling away some of the intensity and volume in the other workouts in order to conserve recovery capacity, CNS capacity, energy capacity, stress capacity for the actual heavy lifts that she wants to get better at. We have to pull back on some other things if we want this one area to improve. Uh, it just makes sense because if you pull back on the everything else, you get an imp improvement in this area that's been stagnant, that's been plateaued, and then you can try to hold that improvement as you go back and put the volume back into the other areas. So you're only doing it for a stage. It's not like you have to do it forever. Then she was also working out often fasted or just hyped up on a bunch of caffeine rather than actual nutrition. And that meant that there was literally no energy pool uh, for her to be able to work out for, you know, 30, 40, 50 minutes before she did max separate stuff. So there was a lot of compounding factors. Uh, but that's what's happening is she was getting to the point in the workouts where she either had to survive on cortisol, like stress hormone, in order to get through the heavy lifting, and then she'd feel wrecked afterwards. Or she's already been wrecked from overtraining everything else and under eating, <laughs> that she, her body just couldn't produce enough cortisol to actually get her through the strength stuff, and she would have what she would consider a bad day or a bad workout. Uh, so this is um, very common sense to me because I run into it all the time with clients. <laughs> but whenever you're the person experiencing it for the first time, it can seem very overwhelming. You feel as though you can't do enough to feel ready, but the more you do, you kind of feel more fatigued and less ready. <laughs> so it's a very weird uh, kind of defeating situation. So what we're doing is we're just going to excite the nervous system faster. When we excite the nervous system faster, we get adrenaline and endorphins sooner. Now, also, we're, we're making sure she's sleeping better, making sure her food is more consistent, and I would encourage her, as much as she'd be willing to, to try to pull back on going 
all out, go beast mode, go ham, whatever the things are nowadays. People are saying, try not to just destroy yourself in the other workouts and then wonder why you feel like crap on these big, heavy workout days. The big, heavy workout days don't have as much overall volume than what she's probably used to, but they're really impactful and they're really hard on the body. You have to make sure that you come in with a full gas tank. It's being depleted in a way in which you're not used to. It's being depleted by heaviness, not just volume. And that's new for people. But we have to conserve more of ourselves for these big days. So we got to sleep better, we got to eat better, and we have to manage our other workout like uh, intensities. And then in the workout where we try to do the big heavy lifts, we have to stimulate our nervous system faster. Some examples of how you can do that. For squats and deadlifts, we do a lot of yoke walks, we do a lot of carries. Uh, trap bar carries, dumbbell carries, zercher carries, uh, zombie carries. Uh, if there's something heavy that you can pick up and walk with it, we carry it. <laughs> we do overhead carries. I mean, barbell, like yoke walk carries, not even like you don't even have to have a specially strongman yoke. Uh, we just do some crazy stuff, put some big heavy weight on your body, and try to move it around. We'll do jumps as well. Uh, just kind of depends on if the person's naturally not explosive and they're naturally slow, jumps aren't really going to help them much. But if they are an explosive, springy person, then the jumps can help increase excitability. I have some clients that, my gosh, they're so explosive that I can just have them do a couple like depth jumps and then they're ready to go squat their max. But other clients, if they do like three depth jumps, they're going to feel like they need to lay down and take a nap. <laughs> So it kind of depends on uh, the individual. But that's some techniques we use for lower body. For upper body, like bench days or overhead press days, we can do some heavy back isometrics. I might have them like properly warm up and then do a set of three on a cable seated row where I want them to kind of cheat the concentric a little bit. Uh, not so much that they get hurt or not so much that they get other muscles involved. But I want them to just get a super heavy weight. They can even have a training partner or someone in the gym assist them. Pull it into a full back contraction and then just try to hold that contraction for 10 seconds. And that will absolutely tick off the nervous system because I want you to squeeze your back and try to pull the handle. So if you think of like a neutral grip handle on a cable seated row. Narrow neutral grip handle, cable seated row so it protects your biceps. Um... Get somebody to help you. Pull back a heavy, heavy freaking weight. Pull that handle towards your chest. And then try to hold that handle against your chest for up to 10 seconds. I want you to do it with a weight that you borderline can't even do it for 10 seconds. And I want you to hold it against your chest like it's the, like the button of a bomb. And the second your hand comes off your chest, the bomb's going to go off and you die. So you're just sitting there cranking, squeezing, holding, 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 holding. And then eventually the muscles die and it kind of goes. But then your nervous system is like, what the hell was that? That was crazy. And it starts producing the adrenaline and endorphins that we want. We also will do uh, trap bar deadlifts. I might have them just do like a two or three inch super heavy trap bar deadlift uh, on an upper body day. We'll do explosive push-ups. We'll do sprint work. Um kind of some other odds and ends like might do some plyometric type stuff uh like one example client we do like they do proper mobility and warm-up and then they do a circuit of yoke walks and depth jumps before they do squats another client on their bench day i have them do um a trap bar where they're starting with their hands at their knees so it's a trap bar but they have an elevated handle they're doing that 
for a set of two. And then they walk over. They have a bench next to a pull-up bar. They step up on the bench. They jump to the top of the pull-up uh, where their chest is like as high as they can get it towards the bar. And they try to hold that for five to ten seconds. So it's, it's not a lot of reps. It's just super freaking intense. Like yoke walks. We might only do, you know, 20, 30 feet. Uh, like 10 meters, whatever that is uh, for metric system. But it's it's not very far con- considering like what people typically do with yokes, like strongman and stuff. Uh, you just you just want something kind of heavy that shocks the body and the body says like, whew, damn, <laughs> what the hell is that, you know? So the purpose is to challenge the body with something shocking and near maximal, but we want absolutely minimal to no eccentric loading. We don't want to eccentrically move with a heavy weight load. Um, now, I know I said depth jumps, but that's body weight. So, and it also depends on whether that person is controls their body weight well. So if you have an elite level powerlifter at 155 pounds, they're fine with body weight. <laughs> yeah, you know, if I have somebody who's newish to this and they have, you know, 50, 60, 70 pounds of body fat over ideal body weight, then hell no, I'm not doing depth jumps. <laughs> so uh, that's one of the benefits of doing programs per client. Uh, every single client I work with, everybody gets their own unique program. I don't copy and paste anything. Uh, everything is 100% unique to them every four weeks or sooner or later, depending on what their needs are. But everything's individual, uh, individualized. So I'll pick what's best for them given all these tactics. But the idea is, is you want to shock the body with minimal, if any, and absolutely no, uh, would be ideal, uh, eccentric loading. Typically, when you feel ready for a big lift, Typically, people will kind of do some warm-up. They'll start into the big lift. And then they have that first kind of heavy warm-up. You all have that number where like, okay, on squats, if I work up at this weight, it isn't maximal yet, but it's heavy enough that you're like, ooh, crap, I got to, you know, that's the one that I feel like after I'm done, I'm like, ooh, geez, I got to wake up. I got to decide if I'm going to do this or not today. And it's just that first weight that kind of, kind of tests you a little bit, kind of, says, where are you today? You know, mentally, emotionally, physically. We want to get to that sensation before having to be there while we're warming up. Uh, we, If we want to wake up the body before we get there, because for many people, if they're woken up during the main lift warm-ups, it kills their confidence. Uh, it screws their head, kind of, They then they start messing up their technique to try to make some extra adjustment of some kind and that never goes well because your technique should just be perfect there should be nothing extra to do otherwise you'd always be doing it so therefore it isn't extra anyhow (laughs) so technique just should be done the right way all the time it should always be extra (laughs) so there should be more to it that you can add and be like oh now it's even better if there's something you can add it's better you should have been doing that already uh but you know like they'll get mentally defeated they get like uh just man it just messes with their head Or for my client, like what she was experiencing was is they expend so much energy trying to get awake that they then feel tired (laughs) because they wore themselves out trying to get awake. So if you feel exhausted by your heavy sets, uh, like meaning you, you exhaust yourself trying to get to the heavy weight. So then by the time you get to your heavy sets, you're exhausted if you experience that. Like my client, who's just doing way too much by the time she gets there. Or if in the process of warming up, 
you hit this big weight and you're like, oh, crap. That feels so hard today, and it crushes your confidence. And then maybe even you start making kind of technique changes, and that messes you up as well. If you're experiencing any of that, then it would be helpful to try what we're discussing in this podcast, is try some type of CNS prep. Um, there's a million terminologies like for like excitatory, preparatory methods, and blah, 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 blah. Just do something that wakes you up <laughs> uh, and gets the body going before you're already in the warm-up for the big for the big lift that's the idea um the, the common one for example if somebody doesn't have a lot of equipment like i train a lot of people that train at a home home gym so they don't have a lot of specialty equipment so i have them warm up in their squats and then like say at 50 percent um let's say they're gonna squat 405 they'll do 225 and then i'll have them load 405 to the bar and they just have to unrack it, like stand up out of the rack, hold it for 10 seconds, put it back in the rack. Then they'll, they'll go to 275, do a warm-up set, then maybe 315 warm-up set. Then they do the 405 hold again or even a squat walkout, or we might even jump up to 110%, maybe 445. And then they rack that, and now all of a sudden we go into our working sets at, say, you know, 345, 355, 365, whatever, and then we get to the 405. But the idea is they do a heavy squat pickup or a heavy squat walkout before they actually get to that weight in their in their training. So I've done this in powerful meets, and I've done it for clients in powerful meets. It works great, absolutely great. I stole the idea for the powerful meets from Josh Bryant, uh, you can find him on Instagram and most social medias under the under the name Jailhouse Strong, but his uh, last name is B R Y A N T. Josh Bryant, again Jail Jailhouse Strong. Uh, he was the one that I learned about. Like first, he would have he told like he said he had clients do heavy lockout holds. Uh, he's very good at bench. He was like at one time the youngest guy ever to bench six hundred pounds. Uh, so. He made a name for himself there doing that. And then people, like, if they want to bench 600, they hired the guy who did it. So he became very good at coaching people for it. So what he'd have them do in a competition is if they're going to go out and bench 600, maybe their, maybe their last warm-up is, I'm just making up numbers, say uh, 525. Well, after they do the 525, he might have them load 600 onto the bar and they just hand it out the person holds it at the top they're not going to move it or bench it or anything they're just holding it for like five to ten seconds and then they rack it again but that heavy stimulus of having to hold the 600 then when they go out there and do their first attempt maybe the first attempt's only 565 they're going to smoke that because that's going to feel so much lighter than what the 600 felt like then they might go for 600 on their second attempt see if they can get it or not you know and then kind of take the meat from there but doing a heavy lockout hold is where I got the idea from Josh Bryant. And then I was like, well, hell, you know, if it works for a bench, <laughs> why why couldn't it work for a squat? So I started doing heavy squat lockout, like walkouts. So I'd have somebody unrack, step back into their stance, and then just hold it for five to ten seconds and walk back in and rack it at 100 to 110% of their, their max. Or maybe what we think their third attempt is going to be at the meet. And then I was like, well, crap, okay, if it's, if it's working for bench, if it's working for squat, by deadlift at the meet, if you're not awake, 
you've done something wrong. Most people don't need some kind of CNS excitatory prep at a powerful meet before deadlift, but we can benefit from it in training. So I'll add it in training. I typically don't do it in powerful meets because they've already had their CNS spiked and used in squats, spiked and used in bench. They just need to survive the deadlift and get the hell on with the day. <laughs> so um, I personally hate doing a lot of, a lot of warm-ups. Uh, for deadlift uh, in in powerful meets, the last meet I did, I, I pulled 660 in the competition. I I did a set at 315. I just did one rep at 315, one at 405, and then I just went out onto the the platform. I think I did 585, then just did 660. <laughs> so I did four deadlifts that day uh, because I was like, I'm tired. I'm as weak as I'm going to get. I got to get through this and I'm very fortunate that that's the way I respond in competitions is my my nervous system gets so revved up that I can't feel my body. So I've unfortunately had a meet where I tore uh, two, well, one, two, three, three muscles in my legs one time. I tore my adductor warming up, and then I, I was, like, so frustrated. There was a lot of circumstances around it. We'll skip that part of the story. But I tore my adductor on, on my warm-up, and I was like, damn it, if I can just get, let me just get my, my first attempt in, and then maybe I'll still have fun ben- benching and deadlifting because I do conventional deadlifts. So the adductor is important, but it may be, you know, arguably less important than a sumo deadlift. So I went out to try to do my opener and squats. I tore the adductor worse. That caused me to shift into my other leg. So I tore the uh, kind of the vastus medialis, the muscle down by your knee. Then that shifted me back into the other leg, which I tore the, a little bit of the outer quad. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> so... Um, but what was frustrating was I could hear it tear, like sounds like the sounds like paper, like somebody's tearing a piece of paper. But I can't, I couldn't feel it. I was so revved up that like I still like felt I was like I'm good, I'm good. And meanwhile, I'm like you moron, you just heard your muscles tear. You were not good. <laughs> so, uh, but I get revved up, I get excited, and I don't need a lot of uh, preparatory work. But I have clients who are the complete opposite. And that's why it's been fun to work with so many variety of people because now I know all these tactics. Even if it's not something I would personally use, I've, I've played with them. I've experimented with them. I like them. Um, they just maybe don't, they're not as necessary for me, but I do like them when I do them. Uh, I just don't need them. So I only do it, you know, to learn it and to get a feel of it. But I have clients like my mom. She uh, uh, has elite total in powerlifting in two different weight classes. Less than 1% of competitive powerlifters have it in one weight class. She has it in two. And we do excitatory CNS work for her all the time in all of her powerlifting meets. She's done over 10 powerlifting meets. I have other clients that have elite totals and, um, you know, top 100. And we do excitatory type stuff like that. And they're training and it meets and it always works out well. So... Whether you're doing it for a power to meet, whether you're doing it just to be a beast in the gym, uh, maybe you do strongman or some other kind of uh, strength-based sports, uh, some excitatory work, CNS excitatory work before your main lift does make sense and it helps a lot. So I wanted to make the argument for that, let you know that that, thing's, that exists and give you some ideas on how to do it. Typically, the duration that we're looking for is 10 seconds at most. Uh, a lot of the jumping drills, a lot of the other things are like 5 seconds. So you're looking for 10 seconds or less, super intense, um, nothing that would cause any risk of injury, and nothing that has a heavy eccentric load. Again, so 10 seconds or less, super heavy, super intense, but not risking injury, 
and no eccentric load. And again, examples would be uh, yoke walks, carries of any kind, uh, heavy back isometrics, elevated trap bar deadlifts, jumps, sprints, explosive push-ups, things like that. Okay. Thought that was fun to share. If you have any questions, any follow-up stuff you want to know, just shoot me an email, brutalironjim at gmail.com. If you like the podcast, please share the podcast. If you like the podcast, please consider donating to support the podcast, which you can do on our website. Also, if you like the information we share in the podcast, you can find more from us on our social media channels. You can find us and follow us on Instagram and YouTube under the name Brutal Iron Jim. As always, I hope this was helpful, and thank you for listening.